You may have noticed that the chocolate bunnies and the Easter baskets have made their way to the discount shelf. Families and guests that visited with us this past week have returned home. Children, and I'm guessing some adults, who were dressed in their fancy new clothes look a lot more comfortable today. And my guess is that you might have found it easier to park in our parking lot. We often limit Easter to one day a year, a joyous time to celebrate the resurrection, a time when churches are overwhelmed with people. But on the Christian calendar, Easter is actually a season, often referred to as the Great 50 Days, which, Jesus, which recounts Jesus' appearances, Jesus' ascension, and ends with the season of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So today, churches everywhere, the faithful gather. They gather again to worship, to live as resurrection people, and to listen once again to the story of fearful disciples and of Thomas, who would not believe until he saw. Last week, at our sunrise service, we heard the backstory of today's text. According to John's Gospel, early on that first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene had discovered an empty tomb. She did not know where they had taken the body. So she ran distraught to the other disciples and told them that Jesus' body had been taken. Not fully believing her, Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see if it could be true. What they saw was the linen cloths that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. But he was not there. They did not understand, they couldn't believe, so they returned home. Then later in the day, as Mary stood weeping by the tomb, she experienced the risen Jesus for herself as he called her name. So she came to the disciples once again, this time joyously proclaiming, I have seen the Lord. However, the disciples have not yet seen the risen Jesus. And in our text for today, they continue to be stuck in fear locked in, not believing that it could all be true. Of course, it's completely understandable, completely natural, because when we are feeling anxious and afraid and threatened, we lock our doors. We become focused on our own security rather than the risky mission that Jesus has laid out before us. The disciples had just witnessed one of their own, betrayed the one that they believed would be the Messiah. They had watched him be arrested. They had, from a distance, seen him crucified. And I think they may have wondered, could they be next as followers of Jesus? So it's completely natural for them to be afraid. When Jamie read our text for us today, he prefaced it by saying, listen closely to the word of God for us today. I think we sometimes forget that scripture speaks to us today. We have probably heard this text many, many times before, but I think it's important for us to ask the question, how is God speaking to us today through this text? 
So as we read about the disciples, each of us would do well to ask ourselves, how am I experiencing fear in my life? How am I locked up and afraid? What is preventing me from living the life God is calling me to live? These are questions we can ask honestly, because the promise of this text is that Jesus cannot be stopped by locked doors, but instead comes to us and speaks peace to our fears. Scripture tells us that there is no fear in love. In fact, perfect love casts out our fear. That's the good news today, because it is in their insecurity and anxiety that Jesus appears to the disciples. Scripture simply says, he came and stood among them. And Jesus greets them with these words, peace be with you. That carries the same connotation as the Greek word shalom. Shalom is a blessing that connotes more than a lack of conflict and not just a general greeting. It's more than that. It's more of a holistic understanding of well-being that we wish for one another. It's the kind of peace that the world cannot give. It's the kind of peace that passes all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lisa Sharon Harper, in her book, The Very Good Gospel, writes about shalom. She says, the very good gospel is when shalom is restored. Shalom is what God declared from the beginning. Shalom is what the kingdom of God looks like. Shalom is when all people have enough. It's when families are healed. It's when churches, schools, and public policies protect human dignity. Shalom is when the image of God is recognized in every single human being. And shalom is our calling as followers of Jesus' gospel. It's the vision God set forth in the garden and the restoration that God desires in every relationship. So when Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his feet, they move from fear to rejoicing. So he repeats this word of peace, this shalom to them once again, and then he commissions them. He sends them out. As the Father has sent me, so I send you, he says. I think Jesus is helping them and us understand what it means to be sent, to make known the love of God that Jesus himself has made known, to teach, to heal, to encourage, to gather disciples together again. So we are called to do that same thing as we hear these words today, to share the gospel, the good news, that in Christ we are loved and forgiven, and we are also called. We reach out to our community to gather and to grow the church, to focus on transformation, to encourage, to recognize the beauty and the belovedness in each face that we encounter. And I believe that when others know that they are loved, forgiven, that they have a place to belong, where they can use their unique gifts, they show up because they know Jesus is showing up as well. 
And Jesus does show up to us as he did to the first disciples, right in the midst of our fear, our pain, our confusion, and doubt. He comes speaking peace, and he breathes into us the Holy Spirit into our lives. And Jesus keeps showing up. The story of Thomas is one of my favorites, partly because that's my name and I heard it early in life. But I think Thomas gets a bad rap. He's always referred to as Doubting Thomas. But he's not the first in this story to doubt. And let's not forget how he rallied the disciples when Jesus planned to go to Bethany after Lazarus' death. It was surely going to be a dangerous journey. And Thomas says, let us go also that we may die with him. He had courage. And Thomas often asked pointed questions. He once inquired of Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now we might assume faith is about having everything figured out. All the details of belief lined out, always knowing the right thing to say. But faith is really about experiencing God for oneself, asking the hard questions, trusting God despite all of our fears and anxieties. Thomas was not there the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. Maybe it was bad timing. He could have maybe stepped out because he needed some fresh air or was just tired of hearing the same fears expressed over and over. Or maybe he was the practical one who knew Somebody had to pick up lunch. But perhaps he had wandered away from the community, just wondering, was this all worth it? I believe that after seeing the risen Christ, the disciples reached out to Thomas and tried to convince him to return to the community. And he says something like, I'll come back, but only if I see Christ's hands and feet and touch his side. Until then, I will not believe. It's a good thing that Jesus is not interested in believing as a mental assent. Jesus wants our hearts. Jesus wants trust and love. He wants the disciples then and now to be able to forgive. The word belief in John is rarely a noun. It's almost always a verb. And it's meant to be used in relationship with Jesus. Believing is not creedal only. Believing is relational. So when Jesus appears to the disciples a week later, Thomas is there. He's been reconciled to the community in some ways. Jesus keeps coming back to us week after week. He comes among his gathered disciples in water, word, table, and in the creativity of everybody out here. Jesus doesn't want anyone to miss out on the life and the peace that he gives. And Jesus keeps sending us out as well, out of our safe, locked rooms into a world so desperately in need of these gifts of grace and love and life and we may pr protest that we have to wait until we figure it all out. 
Maybe we think everything happened so quickly. I'm sure the disciples did. We may think that the Spirit is asking a lot of us, and maybe it doesn't quite feel safe. But Jesus keeps showing up over and over and sending out his followers. And if Jesus keeps showing up and Jesus sends us, how are we showing up to teach, heal, encourage, and gather? To share hope, love, and grace with the world in need? We will always continue to learn, and we will invite people over and over to be reconciled to community, to live as resurrection people, to trust God and one another. But we know everything doesn't always work out perfectly or like we want. But we do know from this story that staying in place, anxious, locking ourselves in closed rooms will not help us grow. Near the end of scripture today, Jesus adds a beatitude, something for the future, something for us. He said, blessed are you who have not seen and have yet come to believe. Blessings are often things we tend to avoid. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed are the persecuted, Blessed are those who haven't seen. We prefer to be around people who are like us, who are already faithful, who feel safe. But Jesus often hung out with those on the margins and is often seen, as Matthew 25 says, in the least of these. So this blessing reminds us that we are in a relationship that can never be broken that will never be abandoned, that will never be separated, and will forever be. We often call this eternal life, and it begins now. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, because we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. And the life we live in the flesh, we live through faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. So says Scripture. My Lord and my God, Thomas says. That is also my confession of faith this morning. It is also my call to practice my faith, trusting that God walks alongside me with the way of grace. I have experienced the risen Christ, and I need this community to walk alongside with me. Not lost in despair, but lost in wonder, love, and grace. We all need to be ambassadors of reconciliation, sacrificing and serving, committed to the way, the truth, and the life that we find in Jesus. So we gather in this sanctuary each week to put our lives and our world in perspective, to acknowledge our struggles, but also to be open and enlivened by all of life's possibilities. In so doing, we can create a place where the Spirit lives, where we have a place of beautiful belonging. We come to this place to be sent, to practice resurrection, to share the very good gospel of love, peace, forgiveness, and abundant life. Clarence Jordan, one of my favorites from Cornelia Farms, once said, 
The proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not an empty tomb, but the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that Jesus lives is not a vacant grave, but a spirit-filled fellowship. Not a rolled-away stone, but a carried-away church. Jesus keeps showing up. Jesus shows up in the wonder of the mountains and the beauty of creation. Norman Wiersbe once said that creation is God's love made visible, audible, fragrant, tactile, and delectable. Jesus shows up in the beauty of music. There is a power in the beauty of music that stirs our souls and brings us into the heart of God. And we've experienced that today through these Academy for the Arts students and as we sang together as a congregation. Jesus shows up not only in our past, but also in our now, and also in our future. Wherever we go, Jesus goes ahead of us. And let us also remember that Jesus shows up through us when we listen to one another deeply about our joys and concerns, our hopes and our fears, our questions and our answers, and even when we disagree, when we stay in relationship, because they will know we are Christians if we love one another. Jesus shows up through us when we reach out to others to care for their needs, even when it costs us or is uncomfortable. We remember that Jesus hung out on the edge with those that we often wrongly consider unlovable. Wherever we are, Jesus comes to us. One of my favorite names in scripture for Jesus, and Amy agrees with me here, is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Christ's love will never let us go. We are resurrection people. We have a good news to share to a world that is desperate for God's healing, God's hope, God's peace, and all for love's sake. The good news of Easter is that God does not operate within the limits of a day. It's not a day on the calendar or any other limits we place on God. Easter faith points us in hope to the possibility that God still shows up and is always working to make things new. Thanks be to God.